Uh, If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9, we'll continue in our study of the book of Daniel. And uh, before we uh, read in the text, uh, let me uh, open us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Almighty God, you are the great and awesome God, the one who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love you and keep your commandments. Lord, we confess, uh, like uh, Daniel and Israel, we've sinned, we've done wrong, we've acted wickedly, we've rebelled against you, but we thank you for your loving kindness, uh, your covenant love, your mercy that you've poured out on us particularly in the work of your son, Jesus Christ, who you sent to this earth to live a perfect life of righteousness um, and to die a perfect sacrifice for our sins, taking our sin upon himself and clothing us with his righteousness that we might stand in your presence for eternity in the presence of a holy, holy God. Lord, we thank you that you have given us uh, not just uh, your Son, but your Spirit to dwell in our hearts, um, to dwell uh, not just to tabernacle um, uh, in a a physical temple, but to tabernacle in our hearts, that you've taken residence uh, within us and you've written uh, your law and commandments on our hearts. And we pray that uh, you would help us to grow in grace and sanctification, as you even uh, work toward that day where we will be perfected with all the saints in your presence, worshiping you for eternity. We long for that uh, coming kingdom, and we thank you for um, the the promises that you give in Scripture through your prophets and through your servants like Daniel, uh, proclaiming that future day where uh, we no longer have to um, repeatedly confess our sin, but our sin uh, will be no longer in your sight um, because of Christ's perfect sacrifice for us. Teach us this morning by your Spirit. Guide us into all uh, truth um, concerning uh, your gospel and your Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Keep us um, faithful to you and to what you've revealed to us. And as uh, Daniel, uh, make us a people of prayer, people who read of your promises and your word, and uh, that drives us to our knees to plead before you um, that you would uh, uh, bring your faithful promises about, as you've said. Uh, Teach us now, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so for the past couple of weeks, um, we've been in the second half of the book of Daniel, which largely consists of a series of Daniel's apocalyptic visions. Um, So we've seen two of these so far, the first in chapter 7, and chapter 7 was the last chapter written in Aramaic, was on the coming day of divine judgment when the monstrous kingdoms of this world will finally receive justice and God will win the final victory, establishing an everlasting kingdom uh, under the rule of the Son of Man. Um, Last week in chapter 8, the language shifted back to Hebrew, um, and Daniel's vision, we we talked about last week, turned more specifically to readily identifiable moments in human history with explicit reference to the swift rise of the Medo-Persian and then the Greek empires. Um, As we saw last week, though, the real focus of Daniel's vision in chapter 8 wasn't on these powerful kingdoms, but the focus was more on the people of God and this um, coming uh, calamity, this coming abomination that would befall them uh, under the reign of of one of the offspring of of the Greek empire, one of the four branches. Um, And we identified this specifically as referring to Antiochus Epiphanes, um, who not only despotically ruled over the people of Israel, but set himself in blasphemous opposition to God 
and sought to destroy the true worship and sacrifices to him. Um, Daniel, in his vision, saw that Antiochus would consume many saints and desecrate the Holy of Holies. But um, the vision also put a limit on evil's triumph to a specific time, one that could be measured in days. Um, and finally, last week, we saw how the vision alarmed Daniel because the prophet so identified with his people. Even though the angel repeatedly emphasized that the judgment Daniel saw lay many years in the future, he could not simply write the words from a comfortable distance. On the contrary, he physically identified with his people in their forthcoming suffering to the point of feeling bodily pains. And today we'll see Daniel's concern for his people continue and his concerns for God's coming kingdom as we see um, him pray for them and pray for their restoration to Jerusalem. In chapter 9, we have one of the longest recorded prayers in Scripture. Um, so it, this will be a good uh, moment for us to think about um, how to pray as we see how Daniel um, prays. And we see how Daniel will praise God's covenant righteousness. He'll confess his own and his people's sinfulness, but then plead for God's mercy to an undeserving people. So with that as a word of introduction, hear now the word of God from Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 1 and reading the entirety of the chapter. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us, against our rulers who ruled us, by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill. 
Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both the vision, both vision and prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is, who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May he open it and instruct our hearts and our wills this morning. Um, all right, well, let's start. Uh, again, um, most of this chapter consists of a very long prayer um, from recorded forth uh, by Daniel. But let's start with the circumstances. So what prompts Daniel's prayer? What are the circumstances that, that literally drive Daniel um, to this um, act of prayer? Here, Ron. Okay, so he, he's remembering, um, and specifically, you know, he's he's um, he's perceiving in the books. So you you have this interesting relationship that Daniel's presenting us here. Of he is he's recalling the words, and he specifically names Jeremiah. He's specifically recording. Um, that in his consideration of the words of the prophet Jeremiah, um, the, the time of the 70 years of Israel's captivity is, gonna, is coming to a close. Good. What else? So he, he's remembering the word of, of God and what God had said about um, Israel's captivity. What else? Why, why would memory or um, why would reading scripture um, prompt this kind of prayer. Yeah, David.
Yeah, he sees, like, and as you say, he sees there in the middle of what um, Jeremiah had prophesied. And Jeremiah's prophecy was, was twofold. Um, so this is from Jeremiah 25, 11 to 12. The whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord. Um, and then again in Jeremiah 29.10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So in both those, um, you know, you got two specific prophecies for 70 years. And one part of that prophecy of Jeremiah is that Babylon itself will be punished for their iniquity. And Daniel's seen that happen. Like, you know, he, he gives us a specific time for this, um, for this prayer. It's in the first year of Darius. So Babylon is gone now. <laughs> um, but the people of God are still in, um, still in exile. Um, so uh, as Dave says, there, he, he sees that they're in the middle of this um, prophetic period that Part of the prophecy has been fulfilled, but, but part hasn't yet come to pass. And as Dave says, um, part of the, Daniel sees the need, continued need for the people to repent, um, to confess their sins. Um, you know, uh, as it, it says um, in, in his prayer, he, he says this, like, you know, um, oh, hold on. Uh, uh, verse 13, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of our Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Um, so he, he sees um, that the, the people, uh, he sees one, that God has acted righteously, and judging his people according to what the scriptures say, but the people haven't done their covenant obligation, which is to entreat and plead God, plead to God for his mercy. Um, and so, uh, and he sees the continued problem um, of the return to Jerusalem is that they're, they're going to be going back um, a sinful people. Um, so part of the, the problem is going to continue. Um, part of the problem is Israel's continued sinfulness. Um, and even as we saw with the vision last week, like there are going to be further desolations for Israel in their future because going back to Jerusalem isn't going to fix this fundamental problem that Israel has of being a sinful people. Hold on, I gotta pull up my uh, my list of Babylonian kings. It's not a lot of time because um, Belshazzar's reign isn't super long. Um, sorry, if anybody knows this off the top of their head, um, I, it's in my notes somewhere, um, but my notes are not ordered very well. Um, it it's not an enormous. Yeah, so it's not an enormous period of time between, because, I mean, if you think back to chapter 5, um, you know, when Belshazzar's end is, is, you know, the end of chapter 5, that very night Belshazzar the Chaldean was king, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. So it's coming right on the heels of the downfall of, of Babylon. Um, Listening to this prayer, they had 
and that is my preferred approach and it is the only path because that is what we've proclaimed. Otherwise it's it's uh it, it is seen to have a problem and kill a lot of concessions uh but not what Kennedy professes to be. Um so uh so Belshazzar um, so the last Babylonian king was Nabonidus, um, and then Belshazzar was kind of an underling of him. Um, so uh, Nabonidus um, reigned from 556 to 539, and then Belshazzar um, was in the 540s. So, thank you. Um, so, um, so we're not talking about enormous period of time between the, the two visions. Um, and, and what's prompted um, this one, uh, and I, what, I, what I want to encourage us all um, in this, is what's prompting this one, uh, prayer, isn't a vision. It's not something, um, you know, extraordinary. It's something really normal. <laughs> it should be normal for us. It's reading scripture. Um, you know, I, Daniel, perceived in the books, and the word for books there can be rendered in the scriptures, uh, in the books, the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So he's reading scripture. <laughs> um, he's reading the words of the prophet, which he's attributing not just Jeremiah's words, he's saying they're the words of the Lord. So it's a pretty um, uh, dramatic um, uh, proclamation of one prophet that another prophet's words are, are written down and should be studied as being the word of the Lord. And in his reading of the scriptures, it, it prompts, as Dave said, this problem. He, he realizes that God has made all these covenant promises and God has, fulfills his side of the covenant, but the problem is Israel continues to respond to God's covenant with rebellion, with sinfulness. Um, their side of the covenant um, is left undone. Um, and this... Um, repeated phrase in his prayer, um, to you, O Lord, and then to us, that's, that's covenant language. It's like, think of like, we don't have any lawyers in here, but think like a lawyer, you know? To the party on the first part are these, to the party on the second part are these. It's like, to you, you know, on your side, you did everything. <laughs> on our side, it's all failure <laughs> and neglect. Um, on our side of the, the pact, um, it's all failed promises. On your side is complete faithfulness and loving kindness. So, so that's the circumstances that prompt this prayer. He's reading scripture and he sees that the time for Israel's restoration that Jeremiah had, had, had prophesied, that the word of the Lord had came to Jeremiah, stipulating 70 years until the Babylonians will be crushed, and then the people will return to Jerusalem. And so he sees, he's reading scripture and sees himself in the middle of this. And this prompts him to pray. Um, and particularly to, to pray um, and to confess um, uh, both his own sin as well as the sins of the people of Israel. All right, anything else on the circumstances of prayer before we dig into its substance? Okay. Um, so let's turn to the prayer. Um, so what are, uh, or what strikes you about how the prayer is structured? Um, what, what are the different parts of the prayer that um, Daniel is, um, is presenting before God? Yeah, so this comparison, and specifically, like, you got this, this doubling in the first part of it. So as the prayer starts, um, and I, um, you know, I prayed to the Lord my God, um, and 
what's distinct, that these are the only times in the book of Daniel that the covenant name of God is used. Um, so every time you see Lord in all caps there, that's signal for it's using God's um, uh, covenant name, Yahweh. Um, and so he, and this is the only point in, in chapter 9, it's the only time that covenant name is used. So I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So notice the doubling there. Great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. And then um, this, this contrast, as Scott said. Um, we have sinned and done wrong. Um, so God is great and awesome. We have sinned and done wrong. Um, God keeps covenant and steadfast love. We have acted wickedly and rebelled. God um, um, uh, keeps steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We've turned aside from your commandments and rules. So there is this very intentional um, um, contrast between God, who God is, and who his people are. <laughs> um, and that contrast is emphasized by these, these kind of paired synonyms of like these doubled synonyms both for God and then for his people and their actions. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, that um, not only does scripture prompt Daniel to pray, but scripture prompts how Daniel prays. Like scripture, he, he's turning to, um, you know, explicitly to um, Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Um, he's specifically referring to throughout the prayer, um, the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, as it is written in the law of Moses. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's going to scripture and, and using scripture as the basis for his expressions of repentance as well as for his hopes for restoration. Like he, he's, um, he's using scripture not just to prompt him to pray but to inform what he prays. Um, and he is, as you say, it's almost like not only was he reading Jeremiah, prompt him to prayer, it's like when he sat down in his um, sackcloth and ashes, he had the books of Moses unrolled before him. Um, and, you know, it, you know he's, he's referring to what God has said in his laws, what God has said by his servants and prophets. Um, and so... His confession of sin isn't some, yeah, you know, wishy-washy, <laughs> um, not, no, it's very specific, like, and he's, uh, in, in this covenant language, like, you know, he's, um, he, he's acknowledging, he's looking at the covenant documents and acknowledging all of Israel's faults um, as displayed through, uh, and all God's fidelity. Um, and what has happened to Israel's past. What has happened, all the calamity that's befallen Israel, all the blame lies on Israel, and all the, the mercy and all the righteousness is on God's side. Yes, yes. Yeah, this, uh, you know, it, and it, just like David is using that covenant language, like, you know, these, these words, steadfast love, um, you know, God's um, um, steady love um, is the way uh, uh, there's a, um, 
musician who I met when we were in Durham, and his he was a, I guess you would call him bluegrass musician, but he was setting all the psalms, um, and had this project. He was setting all the psalms to music, and for his his. Um, Yeah, David played the latter. So, <laughs> um, but he, uh, but his translation for steadfast love was was steady. Um, you know, it's that that idea, like, you know, um, our love is a, a roller coaster. <laughs> it waxes, it wanes, like it it gets hot, it grows cold. But but God's love is a steadfast love. God's love is a um, is an unending love, um, and um, and and David in the Psalms, you know, uses that covenant language. Um, you know, God keeps covenant. God keeps steadfast love. Um, um, but on our part, you know, there's there's rebellion. Um, uh, good. What else strikes you about this prayer? Yeah, Tim. Yeah, that it, it's, it's God who's brought this upon them, and it's deserved. Like, he is completely righteous. He is completely just in all his actions. And, um, and everything that's befallen Israel wasn't, you know, it wasn't some kind of whim, um, like some kind of reaction. It, it was all, there was fair warning, <laughs> you know, all throughout the, the law of Moses, it's told, if you do this, this is what's going to happen to you, repeatedly. Um, you know, and that's what Daniel's saying. You, you said in your laws and commandments, you said in the, the law of Moses, all this calamity uh, would come upon us just as, you, just as it's written down. Like, again, it's not, there, there's no... Yeah, well, you know, I, I misheard. I, I did that one a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> My mom, uh, you know, you re really have selective hearing, don't you? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I filtered out the parts I wanted to hear. And, um, there's no, no uh, room for select. Oh, we misunderstood. I thought you wanted me to do something else. Or, oh, I thought that was a suggestion. No, it's, it's in writing. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been stipulated. You stood before that, that mountain of fire and agreed to this. And, and, and in this, Daniel's saying, the Lord is complete, uh, completely righteous. Um, there is no fault or blame in him. And I love the repeated phrase he uses to describe himself and Israel. You know, to us, open shame. Um, you know, he uses that, and it's, it's like shame-faced, like, you know, it, it's, you know, shame isn't just, uh, like, it's visible shame worn on the face of the beholder, that it is, is open shame on our part, um, and how we've responded to our God. Yeah, the basis of his appeal isn't on his own or Israel's worthiness. Um, you know, as he says, we present, we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, 
but because of your great mercy. Like, whatever hope we have in, in standing before God isn't coming from our own righteousness. It's, it's all on God's part. It's God's mercy. It's God remembering the covenant. It's not based, you know, like, uh, Israel suddenly hasn't turned it around and, and has started to um, keep the covenants. I mean, Daniel says, like, you know, um, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. Um, you know, do it for your sake. Do it for your kingdom. Do it for your people. Do it for your city. Like, look at in verses um, 16 through 19. Um, I'm not even sure I, I, I started underlining them all. But notice how many times the word your shows up. Like the basis for, for Daniel's plea when he gets to the, um, the supplication aspect, when he, when he finally gets to what he's actually petitioning God for, the basis for his petition is, is God. You know, it's let your anger, your wrath, turn away from your city, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquity of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become byword among all who are around you. Um, listen to the prayer of your servant um, and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Um, open your eyes and see our desolations in the city that is called by your name. Uh, for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Like, like listen to how many times <laughs> your shows up. It's, it's uh, the basis of his his plea is on the mercy and character and glory of God. That is his concern. Um, and he wants God to act um, for God's sake, not just because we're in bad circumstances. Like, you know, your kingdom come. Like, it's that idea, your will be done, that we pray in the Lord's Prayer, captures that kind of um, idea that Daniel is modeling for us here, that the basis for our pleas isn't on our, our need or deserving something. Our basis for our pleas is on God's characteristics, God being a, a God of mercy, God being a God of forgiveness, God being zealous for his people, God being um, uh, um, zealous for his own name and for his glory and and that is our basis for hope, is that God is accomplishing things for his, his glory, um, that he is, you know, is bestowed upon his people because they bear his name. Good. Um, what else about this, this prayer? And notice again, with, with verse 13, like the, the, the relationship between Scripture and prayer. Like, and I, you know, as we, we see like all the kind of things, lessons we learn about this on prayer, the insight between Scripture and prayer. Like, we have not entreated the favor of our Lord God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Like, these two things go hand in hand. Um, and it's the way, like Calvin, you know, the, the more we study the scriptures and the more we learn about God and ourselves, um, and in, in the exact same kind of pairing in Daniel, the more we learn about God and God's righteousness and God's characteristics, the more we see our sinfulness, the more we see our 
um, faithlessness, the more we see our, our need for God. And that's what being in the scriptures does. It, it teaches us who God is, but it also shows us ourselves um, and our need for that God. And that should drive us to our knees to pray. Like um, It should, should drive us to repentance. It should drive us to seek mercy from God because we realize how undeserving of mercy we really are. Good. Anything else you want to say about the prayer? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, and this emphasis on you know the glory of God and, and praising God for who God is, um, and that uh, again it's the characteristics of God's mercy. Um, you know, and when he describes God as being merciful and forgiving, um, it, it's 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 hard to render in English because in Hebrew it's plural. God is mercifuls. <laughs> God is forgivings. <laughs> like you know, it's. It's, um, it's this kind of exponential aspect of God's um, character. Um, and in contrast to that, you know, it, our complete and utter um, ruin in our own sinfulness. Um, and, and that prompts the, the need for the, the supplication, um, for the petition at the end. Um, and as you say, I mean, it, the... the um, structure of this, um, and hopefully, this uh, a, a lot of our prayers of confession, um, you know, come from scripture. So hopefully, this like boy, that sounds familiar because <laughs> it's in one of our prayers of confession. Um, oh Lord, hear! Oh Lord, forgive! Oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own name's sake. Like, um, and it's that you know, again, it's calling God to act. Um, not because the people of Israel deserve it, but because they're, they're his covenant people and that they know uh, and, and trust that God keeps his promises even when they've failed to keep theirs. Absolutely. Yeah, he's using the words of God. He's literally praying back to God things that God has spoken to him. And again, I, I, you know, I love how Scripture is prompting him to pray, but then Scripture is 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 structuring how he prays. Like he's not going and he's asking for something like completely unexpected. Like he, he's asking for God to do what God has said he was, he was going to do. Like, you know, God was faithful in the punishment um, and was righteous in the punishment. And now he's saying, 
be, uh, you know, do what you've promised in your mercy. Like, you know, uh, his, his trust is built on what God has already said and revealed to him. And what he's asking for is something that God has already said through the prophets that he was going to do. And so he's coming before God, speaking God's own words back to him. And I think that's a great um, way for us to think. I mean, and if you're like me, like you've had those, I just don't know what to pray or the words don't come easy. Pray the Bible. Yeah, God has given us words. Um, God has given us truths. And we, God has given us promises. And that should embolden us. You know, that should empower us to go and, and to be bold before that throne of grace, asking God for the exact things that God himself has promised to us. Like, it, it equips us to pray. Yeah, and by restoring his people, it's elevating his, his own name. Like, and again, it's a way of his proclaiming his name to the nations um, by his fidelity to his particular people. Um, all right, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so uh, let's, um, uh, what an answer to prayer, an angel shows up. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's scripture prompts the prayer, and then the prayer prompts an angelic appearance and, um, and this vision. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, it, and just with the vision, the 70 weeks, um, the, the church uh, father, Jerome, writing around 400, identified nine different ways <laughs> that uh, the 70 weeks were interpreted, and that was in the year 400. Um, James Montgomery Boyce called um, uh, interpretation of the passage, not the passage itself, but the interpretations, you know, all the interpretations of the 70 weeks as a swamp. <laughs> um, and so uh, using that analogy, I don't want us to get bogged down uh, in the details, but I want us to think, uh, I think the big picture in both Gabriel's appearing and in this visionary response to the prayer, um, I, I think that message is a little clearer. So, yeah, what do we, what do we what, what's the relationship between Daniel's prayer and the Gabriel's appearance um, and the message that's conveyed um, in this presentation of the 70 weeks. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, it's, it's God's response to Daniel yeah, isn't waiting on all Daniel's information to be inputted. God is responding to Daniel's actions. You know, that, that Daniel has, has, um, has um, sought the Lord by prayer, pleas for mercy, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Like it's, it's more a response to what Daniel has done than any specific thing that Daniel has said. Um, it's more a response to um, what Daniel is doing in, in 
presenting this kingdom prayer, because again, Daniel's not praying for himself. He's praying for the people of God and for God's kingdom to, to come. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, so consider the word and understand the vision. Like, um, and so he's coming to, to give some, some clarity um, and understanding to what Daniel's praying, um, what he's asking for. Yeah, Victor. The typology? Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of what um, I think what Daniel needs understanding here that, that Gabriel's bringing is he, he, he's reading Jeremiah, and Jeremiah both prophesies about this literal return to Jerusalem. But then Jeremiah goes on to talk about, um, in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Ju Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. So I think angels showing up. So Daniel you know, might be thinking that the, the return to Jerusalem, that's it. Like That's the messianic. And the angel's like, no, there's, the 70 years isn't the end. Like The 70 years is going to be followed by this other time. And what Israel needs isn't a physical return to Jerusalem. They need a spiritual cleansing. Like, look what the angel, or Gabriel says. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet and to anoint a most holy place. He's not talking about you know, a physical um, place that's going to you know, have this. The, the, the people need an internal cleansing. Like Think about like the angel is saying what's going to be given at, at the end of this 70 weeks is what Daniel has said throughout this prayer, the people lack. The people lack. Um, an everlasting righteousness. The people, um, their iniquity needs to be atoned for. Their transgressions need to be put in, an end to. Sin needs to be ended. A return to Jerusalem after 70 years of captivity isn't going to fix Israel's fundamental problem. Their fundamental problem is um, sin and alienation from God. You know, all that's going back to Jerusalem is going to do is start this cycle again of the people sin and God punishes them. The people sin and God punishes them. And so, so Gabriel is saying, Daniel, 
glad you're praying for the return to Jerusalem. That's what you're supposed to be doing. But as Victor said, don't get stuck on the, the type. Be looking for, uh, or the anti-type. Be looking for what's really the, the real. Um, and the real is this coming branch who's going to establish an everlasting kingdom, an everlasting city, one in whose residents aren't wandering um, in sin, but their sin has been dealt with. People who are clothed in righteousness. Um, this eternal city that's going to be established by the coming of, a, a, of an anointed one who shall deal with his people's sin. Not just rule over a city, but to deal with his people's sin and create the basis for those people to inhabit God's eternal kingdom. Yeah, and the real problem, as you say, is our sinfulness and alienation from God that needs a righteousness not from ourselves. Yeah, well, we want to do <laughs> um, well, maybe. Uh, we'll see. Um, I mean, I, I, I think the, the fulfillment of it, the exact fulfillment, is, as what Victor said, is the destruction of the temple. Like, earthly, the, the earthly temple is going to be destroyed because what the temple, the God dwelling in the midst of his people, was never intended to be a physical temple. It's this, that physical temple symbolized the need for us to have Christ dwelling in us as our high priest, that we're made the temple of God, that he creates a people for himself, um, creates a Jerusalem for himself as a heavenly city and not just a physical one. Okay, maybe we can talk a little bit about that next week. Um, but again, like um, there are lots of uh, yeah, there are lots of disagreements on that part, and I'm just trying to to catch what I think Christians, regardless of how they specifically apply the words of Daniel to particular events, because there are lots of different events that people point to as saying this is the literal fulfillment. Um, but the big message is the, you know, that the, the angel is, is reminding Daniel that there is coming, um, 
there's coming a time when God will definitively do away with sinfulness um, and definitively give righteousness to his people. That that is a uh, that is is coming. That there's the people's fundamental need will be dealt with, um, and that comes through the coming of Christ and the fulfillment of His kingdom. All right, well, let's uh, let's close in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for um, this privilege that we have to come before you and and to pray, um, to uh, to come back to you on the basis of the promises you've made to us, to speak your words um, back to you, uh, to, um, to look forward um, to the day in which we are perfectly clothed uh, in righteousness and perfection. But at, in this time, uh, we still confess our sins. We still confess our need for you, and we long for the coming of Christ in his fullness and in his glory, um, his coming uh, in judgment, uh, that moment we can stand before you not on the basis of our righteousness, but on the basis of his work, full and finished work on the cross for us. Uh, use this um, passage to help us see your glory and to seek it and to seek to praise and proclaim your name even as we do it together in this coming hour of worship. We pray these things in Christ's name, by the power of your spirit. Amen.